from Y01 Radio's Live Lounge. This is the doctor, the therapist, and the coach, with your host, Gemma Taylor. Hello and welcome to podcast number three, four. What are we on? Four, five? I don't know. Three. Well, it's an intro. one of it's. It was one of our very many awesome podcasts. And welcome, please, Dr. Angela and Colette, to the podcast. Welcome, welcome. Now today we are talking about refusals and I won't and everything that is tantrumy, stamping of feet. And before we start, actually, I just want to say we're all looking quite fabulous. Mm. For a podcast. Yeah, actually, we have overdressed for this occasion. <laughs> well, we have, and you all look fabulous. So, well done you. So, uh, no refusals to look fabulous here today? No refusals. I've got my one good dress on, and Angela's managed to coordinate her bra with her dress as well, which I think is amazing. <laughs> I think is an essential founding principle of podcast. You I win. Yeah, you, win. you win. Absolutely win. Colette, we have refusals, and I think that... Paddleboarding. <laughs> That's all I've got to say to this, Gemma. Paddleboarding. I totally want to paddleboard. Is there an offer of paddleboarding? Um, Gemma will happily give up her paddleboarding place. I'm up for <laughs> She's that. refusing to paddleboard. I'm just not made for water. I have this very good body body, like for land, <laughs> and that's very good on it. I'm just not a fish. So you're surrendering me to all four of our combined children <laughs> on the water with some paddleboards because you are not a fish. I'm not a fish. And also, I just have this feeling that it's just, it's just not for me. It's not for me. It's going to be for you this weekend. <laughs> That's this all I start? can say. Do we drill down into I won't right here, right now? I think oh. we do. The I won't. I don't want to paddleboard because... No, and it is, it's actually a really interesting reason that I don't want to paddleboard because um, I Thank haven't enjoyed it being on the water in the past. Have you been on the water on a paddleboard in the past? Not on the paddleboard, but in a kayak. And it was one of the most traumatically awful experiences of my life and it wasn't because I nearly died or anything like that it was genuinely because I couldn't do it <laughs> I saw the pictures you really couldn't well, this <laughs> is where we should start because this is this is a big yeah. reason for yeah. I won't because I it? can't Ex I don't know how yeah. expectation so of failure a picture of your whole family in a line facing the camera waving Gemma was in a separate postcode <laughs> facing the wrong way round, having a tantrum and very, I can see this through a long lens very cross I was very cross. It wasn't the best day of my life and I don't want to do it again. And my kids thought it was even better because it was so abort. I just I hated it. Yeah, it I have been paddleboarding and I looked like a Greenpeace advert. I spent most of the time on my knees crying, um, reasonably sure I was going to die, being shown up by my friend who was with me looking like a Bond girl. But I'm prepared to try it again. <laughs> Well, go you. you You're win. going to. Dr. Angel, what are you not willing to do? Well, there's a long list of those <laughs> things. I don't even know where to begin. Um, do, you know, do you know, honestly, actually, I say that as a sort of an instinctual response, but I'm fairly up for new experiences and doing new things. I'm not... I think the thing that comes up from what you were saying is the reason that I would normally say no to something is because I'd expect to not be good at it or to ah, fail at it. So I think right. that's my kind of my, maybe my wall is mm. where I think there may be something that will make me feel not good about myself or maybe humiliated. And mm. that will be where I would have a strong, I won't, which I feel might be about paddleboarding in your circumstance, Gemma. 
Yep, it's very much so. I just, I just don't have that flair, you know. It's not. It's just. It's. It and it. It, it does. It does take me out of my comfort zone because. First of all, you know, it, well, it's on water. Does anybody not realise we're not made to be on water? Yeah, I'm a fish. Gemma, you once pulled a plane. <laughs> we're not made for that either. <laughs> Just saying. I can do that, though. I'm very good at it. But this is a fear of failure thing, isn't it? I think that I won't is often for many people. Mm. I'm, I'm afraid. I can't underlies it, so mm. I'm afraid, exactly. And then there's a fear of... So maybe one of the things we need to talk about is why is it so difficult to fail especially if you're expecting to why is that so hard yeah, yeah. I had this really interesting um, social media session with someone the other day and she was saying we're all going to fail let's fail fast and move yeah. on and I thought that was just <laughs> one of the one of the most successful things I've heard someone say fail fast move on I know I work, when I work with my clients, I often say, you know, it's about the play. It's about the exploration. Mm. Um, it's not about an outcome. It, it, you, you can't, first of all, you can't know you, you, you can't do it if you've not done it. Mm. Um, other than the first podcast we did, oh, it certainly wasn't in my most comfortable space coming into York that day. I thought, I don't think I like this. I don't know how to do this. I don't think I want to do this. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> um, and it was quite a short beginning from the beginning of the sentence. But I have to a scone. The, yes, I have a scone. I am coming in. <laughs> Um, but actually the truth was I haven't done this before and that makes me feel uncomfortable and it doesn't matter what the this is mm. whether it's paddleboarding or getting a new job or doing a podcast or going to see a different type of film it can literally be anything but it's something we we haven't done before so it's the fear of the not having done it not the fear of the thing normally mm. and it's only ever scary you've only ever not done it once mm -hmm. and then once you've done it or even done a part of it sort of taken some of the power out of it taken some power back for yourself and and had a go i was um fortunate to listen to an amazing talk by benita norris at the weekend um and she's one of the youngest women to ever scale everest and she was wow. saying uh, i know that's what i said like i'm underperforming um, <laughs> <laughs> me, me there in my, my good dress with my hair all done that's land Gemma. Um, that's yeah. land yeah that's, that's what you land. should do i'll climb over not all of it was land most of it seemed to be things that wanted to kill you but, oh, but anyway and she saved someone's life when she was up there as well and, and all and she was talking about it but she was interesting because she, well, she was interesting end of sentence and she was interesting because she was saying at no point from the time she first decided to start climbing and she was at uni then she hadn't climbed when she was younger um to the point she actually got to the top did she ever think she would at no point and she always made it okay just to do the next yeah. bit just to take the next mm. step and, and and i think and interestingly she said she was so short of oxygen when she got to the top she thought oh this is a bit like wales <laughs> um, so, so had it been all about the destination she might have been disappointed yeah. um but just that thing just that and, and you and she was saying your mind is so quick to give you all the reasons all mm. the caveats why you don't have to finish it you've started that's enough you've made you know, you've made a good account of yourself i think we our parents would have said but sometimes it, you know just can, can you just do the next step the mm. next 10 percent, the next bit and and just explore it. I think that's really important. And it's the the I won't when we are. It, it's a real inner child sort of, you know, tantrumy. That's exactly what you looked like yesterday when we discussed <laughs> paddleboarding. <laughs> anyone you can't me. see, we've got fist balls, <laughs> <laughs> face screwed up. <laughs> and, and it, it is funny because I was looking for every single uh, reason to try and get out of this, and you know. 
your kids wanted to go paddle boarding, my kids want to go paddle boarding, even you wanted to join no, them. No, I didn't. I just wanted them to be able to go. <laughs> and one of us had to do the hard thing. And I'm doing the hard thing of the admin going, OK, is there any possibility that the children can go on their own? And then you said, actually, Colette, only five people in total can go. So yeah. all four children can go and you can go. <laughs> Solutions. <laughs> But it, it is, it's really funny how, you know, you, I reverted at that moment back into my, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. Is this a fragmentation trauma thing, Colette? That whole sort of fragmented parts of ourselves, sometimes younger bits of ourselves are the parts that speak up when we are under threat? Maybe. I've always got this bit of um, a, a kind of visual I give to my clients. So you imagine that you're on a bus mm-hmm. and like your executive self is driving the bus. And all the different bits of your personality and, and your chronology as well, you know, your younger self, your other bits of yourself, your acting out teenager, your scared child, are all kind of passengers on that bus. And sometimes some of them want to drive the bus. <laughs> um, generally best if the one with the driving licence drives the bus. <laughs> and, and I think sometimes... Um, I see that, like, to, so I was just looking at Gemma then, you know, you did look like a tantrum yeah. toddler, you know, yeah. that's exactly what you looked like. I felt like. like it as well, I was yeah. embracing it. And it's like, get your toddler <laughs> back in the passenger seat. Yeah. Or do we need to ask the toddler what it reminds them of? You know, if we're trying to figure out what's going on, it's that sort of, well, if it's called up that version of yourself in that moment, in exploring what it's really about, and then maybe applying whether this feeling is rational or needed in this current situation does it help to it can do it can Um, sometimes you can get a bit kind of um, paralyzed by that Mm -hmm. because ultimately you know you have to have new experiences for that then to be your roadmap of yourself and your capacity so if you only ever sat in well the reason I can't do this is or it's harder for me because or I mean I've, I've sat in so many group therapy situations where you know whatever the question is the answer is because I've got kids because I've not got kids because of my job because I don't work because I'm married because I'm not married because next door's cat Mm. died because all those things can't be true or maybe they are I don't know Um, and sometimes you just have to to do the next right thing but I think it's worth being aware when something continually comes up as a barrier if it's always so if normally um so like me i'll do pretty much anything for a certificate i do love a certificate you do I love do your certificate. love a certificate <laughs> i do so if i suddenly just stopped doing a course halfway through and i knew there was a certificate at the end then then that would be really unusual for me so it might be worth thinking, well, has something come up? Is there someone on the course? Is there something you don't like? Is there something that's there's like a barrier for you that's unusual? But if I was more like you, Angela, where you're kind of hurry up and doing lots of things all the time and always busy and always doing bits of things and always you're involved in everything. Faster. It's because you do, because <laughs> I'm looking at you. Um, then it might not be unusual that you put something down to pick something else up. Um, it might be more unusual if you just really focused really heavily on something or we found you sitting at home on the sofa for three mm. days, um, you know, unable to motivate yourself. So I think it depends very much on the person yeah. and, and maybe how much therapy they've had as well. You know, if you've already had lots and lots and lots and lots and therapy is a bit like a bridge, I think, where you get from where you are to where you want to be and sometimes you can get a bit stuck on that bridge because mm. it can feel like a safe place and a really held place. And if people just want to sit in that place, again, looking at their their reasons, their why nots, um, they might just need a bit of a hand off the bridge. And, some, and that's a doing thing. That, that's creating new experiences. And I think, in general, making changes is a very daunting like prospect for many people to even consider. So if you think how many changes we make now as a, as a, as a, as a culture, you know, in comparison to 100 years ago, when you, know, you had 
one occupation for your whole life you mm. know and you you know you you grew up in as a tailor or you grew up as a as a blacksmith and then you did that for the whole time i mean you know i, I used to live in iceland and people had two occupations at the same time you know they were a lawyer and a chef you know <laughs> and there weren't you know the lawyer during the day and a chef on a night because there's not enough people in iceland to do all the jobs you know i you need to go to iceland you're like miss rabbit off Peppa uh, Pig. Yes. you could just do everything you can do it that is an appropriate name for a sexologist as well i think yeah, <laughs> miss a very appropriate name for a sexologist. i'm gonna start calling you miss rabbit miss rabbit it is yeah. um i think that the thing is you have to choose your heart don't yes. you you know so it's hard to stay in something you're not comfortable in. it's hard to stay in the fire burning mm. it might be hard to walk out of it as well because changes will have to be made yeah it is not a question of it's not hard it's just which hard and mm. I, I know for example in some of the fellowships you know that they, they just say you come in when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired yeah when it's enough but for some people and probably myself included 20 years ago you know i it, i needed someone else to put the hand out and say it's safe it's mm. safe trust just trust me i can love you till you can love yourself i can guide you till you can guide yourself you know this is a path i know you can't see it but I've trodden it, trust me. I mean, the one natural, and obviously with us all being women and, you know, being of a certain age, etc. The, 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 the We're change. not discussing age. We're not, no, we're not discussing age. Nope. Is that a refusal to discuss age? That's a refusal to discuss age. <laughs> I won't. I am the therapist I will with not the discuss age. age complex. <laughs> but the, the, the big thing, you know, that, that, that women in general have to go through is the actual change, the menopause. And... And I think that that's a really interesting one to look at when you are refusing. So how do people um, naturally do that? Is there a big... But you're going to ask, how do we refuse to menopause? And I was like, all the way through my menopause training, that no one's given me any option of refusing to menopause. Maybe we should explore it. It would be interesting. We've got a little, little lad tapping at the window here, <laughs> trying to find out the answers. Um, I think it's, you know, I always think we change that, and it might be some analogy that I've been given before, but you need to have one foot in security and one foot in where you're going. And, and theoretically, that's where we feel most comfortable. Yeah. And I think the fact that it happens as a transition for people, and there's, there's usually time to kind of adjust into what you're doing, um, gives people some time to make some changes and to get the information that they need to make a positive transition for them but it's the unknown on you know the other side of that bridge with menopause is something that I think has got a lot of negative connotations for lots of people in our in a culturally we and we're almost hearing more about it at the moment as if it's a really frightening thing to go to and a, a frightening place to get to but actually, you know, there's quite a lot of, of nice parts to it as well. I can't remember who I was talking to yesterday, but someone was talking about the fact that they have, you know, effectively decided not to spend time on people that don't make them feel sort of renewed or to, hang, you know, keep doing things that they don't get much from. And I think there's often a freedom and a confidence at this transition. You're freed from a lot of nonsense, actually, as you go through menopause. There's, yeah. there's positives to it. So if you can, if you can adequately control the physical and emotional symptoms in whatever way you choose to do that and there's loads of different approaches as well as HRT but I think if you feel that you've got a proper toolkit of ways to do that then you can you can navigate it a bit more positively and maybe what the problem is is it's frightening for people it's it's the unknown and it's a it's not an unknown where we think it's going to be good we instinctively shy away from that unknown um so is there a correlation is there any is there any connection between the changes that we have a choice of making and the changes that that are 
not a choice. So if you look at you two guys here, you you're a therapist, so we always have a choice. Well, is that true? We, we often say that when we're the other side of the bridge. Um, I, I would say that most people I see absolutely don't believe they have a choice in their lives mm. or in their situations or where they've got to or how to move past it, actually. Um, so it's, it's easy to look at someone and think, well, you could do this, this, this and this. But what we're saying is I could do that if I were you. And how would I ever know that? You know, because yeah. I, I haven't lived those days to get to that place. Um Obviously, menopause is is, diff is different because it kind of happens mm. to, to you the same as puberty or um, giving birth or any of any of those other things. Um, but I think a lot of people feel that their life and their situation happens to them, mm. and they don't have a choice. I, I know you, you were saying about you know that menopause can free you of some things, and there's a lot of talk about it nowadays. And, and I know I've had a few people come in. Um, kind of feeling they're not doing menopause right now yeah, because there's all this kind of toxic positivity about how we're suddenly supposed to start kind of you know, scaling mountains and, and and looking the best we've ever looked it's and a having little the bit best like sex we've ever had. It's, it's, it's back it when is. I was growing up yeah. and there were sort of body form adverts and tampax yeah. adverts and everyone was yeah. roller skating yeah. through periods yeah. like more physically capable, more on yeah. land than yeah. Gemma even. <laughs> yes. And I do think that and I think that we talked about this I did a, I cheated on you all and did another podcast with somebody else oh, a little while ago. Turn your chair, collector. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> but we were talking about the other side of the celebrity voice around menopause. Yes, it's you know it's brought lots of light into the area. It's got conversations happening. It's and there's a lot of lack of awareness around menopause. So one of the the most difficult things I think is that it's often happening, and is a factor for women for many years before they join the dots and realise that's what's going on. So you know you want to make that diagnosis early. Um, but the women that are talking about it are in the main. They look like they have their stuff together. You know they look they, they've got access to money, trainers, wardrobe assistants, hairdressers. Yep. They look better than most of us do ten years running up to yeah. menopause. And yeah. and I think that that. It, you know, especially when I talk about the bits that I talk about, which is about sexual function, there's a that can feel like a pressure, yeah, rather than something that is positive. So yeah, I agree. I think we've got to be really careful about inclusive conversations, and I suppose I, I need to say it out loud that menopause doesn't always just happen to women at middle age and there's a there's a big proportion of women I mean I'm sat opposite myself and somebody Katie. who's gone through it for different reasons but there's you know one in 10 women going through it between 40 and 45 one in 100 going through menopause under the age of 40 um, so it has some parallels but it can be a much more difficult process if it's earlier or more abrupt because of surgery or cancer and, and then that's got those other kind of traumas in that process as well that can muddy the water a bit more yeah and with with what I'm when we're talking about making changes in in any situation, I think a lot of the time there is a lot of fear and the the fear of something new. It's like you're always saying, Colette, the newness. It's a it's a newness of something. And and how 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 can we embrace this new thing? What what is when you have a fear about something? So whether it's the fear of going through menopause, and whether it's the fear of doing something that is not your normal what is there out there from from a doctor's perspective what what is there out there at the moment that is going to give us something that is a solution to fear i see i would look at that and say we don't need a solution to fear fear has a role fear okay. is you know we, i think we should listen to feelings full stop actually rather than yeah. categorizing them into good and bad categories and one of the Absolutely. things that came up for me mm -hmm. 
I can't remember, I've got a memory like a goldfish, but I was, um, someone was speaking earlier in this very informative podcast about the idea of being, you know, afraid of failure. And I think it's a, it's a vulnerability thing. It's because we consider that it's a bad thing. Failure is actually a really useful stepping stone for many people to where they're heading. Um, I was having this conversation with my son in the car on the way in actually about hill reps and cycling. And I was saying in a strong motherly fashion that you know it's a good analogy for life that if we just do the easy stuff we don't get better Mm. and I think that that is why we should look at these challenging situations or try to embrace the idea of being vulnerable and not doing very well at something as being a really valuable step to being better at other stuff. Mm. I think we should really look at what fear is I was talking to um, someone earlier about the words we use what they mean Mm. the word alcoholic the word menopause the word um, fear and some of these words are really loaded um, and they give you the impression that you're broken you've got something wrong what's wrong with you you're scared of that what's wrong with you why are you scared that's really easy what's wrong with you and if you just look at it objectively and think i am feeling this and, and where am i feeling it am mm. i feeling it in my body is it a thought process am i feeling it in my body what what, what am i telling myself mm. what, why am i feeling this and and really have a good look at are you in danger maybe you are maybe you've been in danger before and you've not resolved it maybe we simply don't have the skills to go hiking up Everest. Maybe you don't, you know, it's those kind of, uh, I think there can be a lot of damage done by rushing into something, overlooking fear and pushing on anyway, because yeah. your fear's there for a reason. Mm. And when we build these new experiential paths, these new way of living, then we can have this new roadmap. It's important that we take sure steps. Um, and, and, and if we change the word failure to maybe explore so, so failure would suggest that there's an end point, a, a designated a goal, a a clear goal, goal. A clear yeah. goal. So maybe if we didn't have that, mm. if the goal was, can I just do the next thing? Yes or no? Do I want to? That's the other question. Sometimes we're not afraid, but we actually just don't want to do mm. something. Yeah. You know, I know I speak a lot with my young daughters about not doing the things you, you don't want to do, even if other people are fine with them. And that isn't fear. That's a choice. Yeah. And sometimes I think we just need to be really clear about what it is we are feeling. Yeah, because you can be fearful and want to do something. So there's a congruence, isn't there? There's that checking in with yourself. Mm. What am I feeling and why? And then not interpreting some of the feelings that we think of as being negative feelings as necessarily being negative so you know i when you're talking about change and the fact that you think people resist change i, I bloody love change i hate standing still change is one of my favorite things no yeah. i know you know and but I, we are a part of that if i was back in the olden days and i was a, you know, a tailor for my entire life oh my god i feel i feel suffocated even thinking of it yeah. because it's in inertia and i don't like inertia um so change in my mind is generally considered to be positive I you know I move towards change because I feel that it's kind of growth and it's learning and that makes me feel alive and it's good so I suppose it's checking in with yourself as to what you're feeling and then maybe another layer of checking in is kind of going why what what, what have I done in my in the previous things I've experienced what is making me approach this with this feeling and is it relevant I think that's another layer that's quite important and what about if there's too much change? So, you know, we're, we're talking about making changes here. But what about if somebody is in a position where they have to make so many changes rapidly and that that's something that they don't necessarily want to do in itself? So, you know, we've, we've talked about somebody that's making a change that, you know, has all these options that doesn't have the options and it's just one change but what if there's a rapid concession of change 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 what 
what sort of what sort of place do you sit on there? Um, I don't really sit anywhere on on as, as like a judgment because it's my job to observe really. <laughs> um, but sometimes when someone some some people can get overly confident, so they've made a change, it's gone well, let's change everything. Yes. A, a bit like a child, actually, in that same kind of that kind of a Freudian id sense, you know, that kind of in, inner child. Um, some people just take a really deep breath and jump in. It's a bit like when you're at the swimming pool and some people dibble their toes in and some people sit at the side for a bit reading a magazine and some people are straight in. They don't check the temperature. I don't know what's wrong with these people. <laughs> Angela, you are probably those people. I'm these people. Um, are you jumping at the deep end, yeah. gal? Actually, if it's really cold, I'm a bit pathetic, to be honest. I'm a very cold... I have Reynolds. So I'm a very test. cold person. You test first and then you jump in. Mm, no, I would jump in generally, but I've done like sort of cold water swimming, and actually that you have to jump in with that, but that's quite shocking. So okay. yeah, in preference, I might dip my toes in. There's a there's a layer somewhere around bra strap line where it gets incredibly uncomfortable, isn't it? If you're wading into sea, it's yeah. all good, but somehow in that one area, just before yeah. the nipples, it is genuinely it is. that. <laughs> I think what's worth thinking about is is how do we measure what people are doing so so often we measure at point of outcome yeah and people will say i just shouldn't have done that i shouldn't have done that i said how can you possibly know because you didn't do the alternative mm. yeah so how could you know how could anybody know i think most people just do the next right thing the next logical thing um and sometimes what might be needed is just a, a bit of time to step off the path and have a look and think well generally should i be running headlong off this cliff you know and yeah. maybe the answer is yes i don't know I think we have a lot of all or nothing thinking though. So if I put it back into the context of the changes that I either discuss or encourage or, you know, witness in GPing, it's it's usually lifestyle change. Like I'm going to lose weight and I'm going on a doctor. I'm, I'm going on a diet doctor and I'm, you know, and, and they've got huge um, enthusiasm at the beginning and commitment to it. But because it's an all or nothing change, the first time something happens that throws them so it'll you know be christmas or it'll be a birthday party or something that meant they had to drop the rigid rules and there's some sort of little permeation that happens to the the perfection that they were maintaining before then and then suddenly it all falls to pieces so we're either entirely on something or entirely off it and potentially the solution to a lot of what we're talking about here is that if we accept that part of the process of making a change is that bits of it are going to go wrong, it's going to take longer, we're going to deviate from what we're intending, but that's quite an essential part of almost calibrating the change and we see it in that way, yeah. then you know, you're making the aspiration fit your reality and that's probably a more realistic way of doing something, then that takes away some of the negative language around, well, I didn't do it perfectly. I didn't, you know, it's like the keto type diets and things like that. You know, when you make a step off that sort of thing, sometimes it can feel like it's all gone. Yeah. But if we change that, the language around it, I think that's really helpful. Yeah. So you must see it in your work, Jeremy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, for me, when, when I get somebody that comes in to see me, um, it's always um, the idea of change that they're coming in with. But it's if you actually explore into it it's because there has been a succession of changes previously to that moment that has made them go i need to change something i need to be in control of this change and that's where you know if, if for example if someone's gained weight lost weight um somebody's lost their fitness gained super fitness and wants more it, everything is all about the change of something within somebody and then when they come to me it's it's kind of the way I see it is it's all a bit like spaghetti. So there's all these changed spaghetti 
lines. And then what we do is we, we comb the spaghetti and we look at everything from a bird's eye perspective and we see all the changes and we put them in control of all of the change that has happened and then sort of redirect the spaghetti into a direction where they are in control of what is going to happen. And that way it sort of makes the change a lot more easier to pick up. Because if you try and pick up spaghetti, obviously gluten-free, if you try and pick up gluten-free spaghetti, it you know, you're not going to get everything in one go. Mm. So, but if it's, you know, if it's combed one way, at least you can see where it all is and you can see what you've got going on. And I think that when I'm looking at change and making changes and helping people make the changes as a coach, it's one of those things that, like you said, it's like when somebody says it's safe, it's okay and gives you their hand and you think actually hang on a minute because it, it goes back to what we said at the beginning the fear and the insecurity of making something different and it's whether that's with yourself whether that's with your environment whether that's with you know who you are in a situation it's making something different and that brings with it quite a challenge actually and that's that's a challenge in itself just the change challenge you have to let go of something to change you know, maybe that's something that we need to talk about because I think, you know, what makes you approach change positively? Well, it's usually that you think you're either going to be better. Well, it's almost generally because you think you're going to be better as a result of the change. So you're either going to become a better version of yourself. You're going to achieve a certificate or, you know, I'm going to learn something new and do something new. So these are positive things and you can envisage yourself in that you're moving towards something but you're also moving away from something so you've got to be willing to you know to say goodbye to a previous version of yourself and and see that as a good thing and that I think holds people and and one of those huge parts is when you've introduced that to somebody but their refusal absolute refusal to make that change because it's so comfortable being uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and that comfort is is so difficult it's like sitting in the armchair even though the armchair's got a big massive spike mm. sticking in your back you still sat down and you're still in an armchair well it's known yes yeah, it's we, known yeah, we yeah. like the known don't we i think we, yeah I, I know i work with my clients a lot around bereavement issues and that's not always de- um, excuse me <clears throat> that's not always death sometimes it's just the loss and and almost by definition when you make a change and gain something you lose the thing you had mm. because so I, I don't always get people who are coming to me for positive change i mostly get people who just can't be as they are anymore for yep. whatever reason um so say <clears throat> I don't know if you want a child and you have a child then you you lose your single self mm. uh, you're, if you want a particular career then you might lose your liberty and your free time if if you want to end your marriage then you might lose your shared history and uh, so so even when we get the very thing we want and I've, I've with people um particularly around kind of substance and food and things like that I find that the, the substance is the reason for not having to put themselves out there, for not having to do things. So when weight starts to come off, for example, if it's, if it's significant weight, then, then there's now no reason not to go out and there's now no reason not to participate. And, and that can be difficult. And people don't always want that. They don't always want the change they think they want. They mm-hmm. want it to feel different, but they don't necessarily want it to actually be different. 
And isn't there that thing that the situations that we're in are often serving us in ways that we don't realise? Always, mm. absolutely always. Just because something looks illogical and irrational on, from the outside looking in, it's often, it, it seldom is, seldom is when I with people I work with. So I want to use one of the first analogies I was given. When I started training, <laughs> I trained in sexology with um, counsellors. So it's the first time that I'd done any training postgrad wise without being sat with doctors and I really enjoyed um, the learning and I remember one of my friends saying to me as a first kind of way of explaining um, you know ego id and all that malarkey that it's a little bit like we're on a rampaging elephant and we've got a tiny little rider on top trying to control where the elephant goes and that, that felt really relevant to me and probably <laughs> probably still does and I've since heard it described as a chimp and all these kind of things and I, but I think that's that's often what you're doing in therapy actually is making people more aware more awake more sort of conscious of what they're doing and we're often reacting and rampaging and going in the direction that we want to go in our shadow side wants to go in this direction that looks illogical because it is serving us in some way that we don't want to look at Mm. or or because it it is genuinely the thing we want i see that a lot i see people oh i mustn't do this i mustn't do this and i'm sitting in the chair opposite thinking why you that's clearly what you want to do your passion you know i i i must give up my no i want to give up my job my, my office job and i want to take up nude modeling or i want to take up artistry or i don't know any anything i want mm. to join the carnival um and you look at someone and you think why not why not do that because cultural scripts because of cultural scripts and then you've got this kind of this 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 chimp you know as you referred um saying no this is what we want to do because this is the bit that knows you this mm. is the bit that knows your your inner voice and your inner love and your passion and sometimes i think that some of the the, the 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 more extreme emotions like anger and and those kind of, that that's just the bit of you that loves you and knows you saying no 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 we're not just going to walk around the supermarket every Saturday and pick up the same food for mm. the same thing and then cut the grass in the same way we are going to become a trapeze artist and travel the world. Have you been listening picture. to my life, my little inner um, world? Yeah yeah, actually, I think it's a direct quote from you at the weekend. <laughs> and yes, you can go and join the circus. <laughs> Okay, so it's so we've got here, we've got all these different reasons for change, all these different methods of change, all these different ideologies ideologies of change. What about when it's absolutely impossible to think about changing? Where where are we with that? How can we what advice can we provide people when they're looking at something going, I can't, I can't and then I won't. What is that? How do we move out of I won't? I don't know, Gemma. How do we? Yeah, well, I immediately thought Gemma's <laughs> yeah, the person Gemma, to ask this to. Gemma, how do we move out of I won't when it comes to paddleboarding or anything? Well, so, okay, let's take paddleboarding for example, because obviously I have now rang the people and I am booked on the paddleboarding. But what Yay. pushed you to that? Intense pressure from you. From no. <laughs> no, genuinely, what pushed you? So, is it is it your your deep love of me? Yes. Is it, is it was... your disappointment when your children would have felt? Well, it... actually, that's interesting. So, I I looked at this. I mean, you know, the kayaking thing. Or was it kayaking canoe? Kayaking was it kayaking? Was it? I don't kayaking? know when a kayak becomes well, a, a canoe. Was it a canoe? It wasn't. I don't know. It was I think a kayak. the canoe is when you sit in it and you can die, isn't it? If you fall over mm. it or something. Well, I got I in a canoe know. and went straight upside down the oh. first time I ever sat in one. I just and I came up. Another reason why we shouldn't be in the water. <laughs> 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 well, you kind of in the canoe. It's like you were stuck in the canoe when it rolled. Yeah, I sort of overbalanced and went upside down, but I could get out again. I'm a fish. I'm good in water. Yeah, I'm. I'm, oh, I'm, not, up for, I'm not up for the being stuck in things oh, upside that down. That makes sense. I'm a fire sign. Water puts me out. 
Really? It takes away my life. Does it? Well, you're going to be on fire on a paddleboard well, actually, at the weekend. Well, actually, to be fair, on a paddleboard, you're not actually in the water, you're on the water. You so are, so often. <laughs> really? Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, really yeah. looking yeah. forward to it. Um, but no, what happened? The process that went through my mind was, uh, you said your kids want to go paddleboarding. I said to my boys, do you want to go paddleboarding? They went, yes, as in... Why would we not want to go paddleboarding? And I went, right, okay. And then I I went on a mission to try and make it so that I could be the photographer. Okay. And and then I realised that that wasn't an option. So it was the fact that I knew that this was something that we all wanted to do. The kids really, really wanted to do it. And I looked at all the options that we had. And then it, it... I concluded that if I don't do this, it won't happen. And I wanted it to happen. So I then went, right, what is my issue with paddleboarding? And I went through all of the different things and I looked at it. I looked at, I mean, I YouTube paddleboarding, you know, my mate, Fiona, she paddleboards in her sleep. You know, she can do it. All these different people can do it. It's not that I can't do it. It is that I won't won't. do it. And then I went, right, okay, you're being a child. (laughs) (laughs) So you parented yourself effectively. I took myself into a corner. I turned myself around, had a bit of a word with myself. And I went, no, okay, come on, just get this done. And you're probably going to enjoy it. So that sounds to me like the kind of, that sounds like a fragmenty bit to me. I know it's not necessarily a clear trauma type thing, but I do, it sounds like you've got that inner in a child I yeah i suppose with you Gemma, because you're kind of an athlete so you 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 perform to win it's it's a competition it's you know mm. you win you do it you're good at that you do it again you do it better but you do the same that because that's what you are good at yeah um so maybe it's just that that you're just good at lifting things yeah <laughs> and also i think like the other day i got picked for pe you know i was an athlete for 15 years and it's the first time in my life i'd ever been picked and somebody called me and they were like, will you be on my team? I mean, it was took of war. That's got my name all over it's it. It's massively your name. Isn't it? I mean, that's But just no like... one picked you for the hurdles. No. no. They picked me for the took of war. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever picks me for anything. No. Well, no. I just felt really good. And I just thought, yeah, that's, you know, I can. And took of war was not something, it wasn't my sport. I did it in the Highland Games and stuff like that. So I know how to do it. I was always the anchor because I was always the biggest and heaviest at the back. So, and that was fine. But then when I actually look at what you know paddleboarding is i like sporty things Mm. you know i love i love the doingness of it you know i'm not a i'm not an angela i'm not a 24 7 doer but i am i would say i would say (laughs) (laughs) i'm a lot of things today (laughs) (laughs) but it's you know it i i like watching you do and I am a good watcher. <laughs> you <laughs> just show me a look I couldn't control. I know. I think you're concerned about what we're talking about now. But the, you know, I just want to know if there's an instructor. There also, is. Paddle. He's that's called fine, Mark. Then. Excellent. I've spoken to him. He's very nice. Because I'm very, I'm very risk averse. <laughs> so I just need to know we're not going to die. We're not. He's very good. And and he he did actually when I spoke to him. And it was again, it was easing the fear. It was yeah. taking away the sort of yeah. It was it was taking a, dipping the toe in the water. Mm-hmm. It was just trying to find a commonality that I have with these paddleboard people who actually you know you said something about the shiny people once and it's when you see people that are doing something that you can't even imagine yourself to do and it's like i look at these paddleboarders and i think god they look so amazing and they're just so happy and so paddly like an advert don't they they really do do. and i and i like watching these people you know and and it's and then i'm like oh my goodness i'm actually going to be that on saturday you are going to be those people in a wetsuit yeah and in fact, no, it's Sunday and it's going to be the hottest day of the entire 
history of Britain and I'm in a wetsuit. Nice. So I just, I'm looking forward to so many aspects of this. <laughs> I, I hear this as an equation. I hear it as a kind of, you've got things on one side that you're moving towards. You've got things that are holding you back on the other and it's tilting the balance. Mm. And maybe part of it is replacing, it's replacing unknowns or previous knowns, mm. maybe. Yeah, previous with experience new with new knowns yeah. or, pre- or new and not hope. making them too big. I think sometimes it's when people have an experience, a repeated experience of failure, then mm. that is their experience of themselves. So I'll go back to the lady I was talking about who was climbing. I don't really want to tell someone else's story, but she, she I'm about to. Um, <laughs> but she said that when I she talks about... I won't strong right now, is it? <laughs> I, I will. I will. When, when, when she said that she was, it was the night before climbing the, the, the dead death zone, which is like the end bit, that oh, apparently geez. you climb in the night and you don't sleep because she'll die because there's no oxygen. Um... I probably wouldn't be up there myself. But anyway, she was there and she didn't really want to do this bit. And she gave all the reasons why she wasn't going to do it. So she said to herself, can I just leave the tent? That's Mm, it. mm. Can I just get up and leave the tent and then make a decision after that? And for me with my clients and probably in my life actually as well, that's pretty much how I work. Can I just do the next thing? Because if I did that, I've got the experience that I can say I'm going to do something, do it and have done it. And that's a new pathway and then just repeat that strength. And often the beginning is the tricky bit. You know, so once we've done it, and, and I know um, Benita says as soon as she'd stepped out of the tent and looked up and was in the summit, there was no way she was going mm-hmm. back into the tent. Yeah. But she could just have easily not come out of the tent. Yeah. I often tell people who are hesitant about new treatments or you know, loads of people are really nervous about starting tablets or starting medication or hormones or yeah. having a coil fitted or any of those things. And they will really hesitate about making a decision. And I often say, you know, you can stop something that you've started. Yeah. And although there are a few medications that, you know, once you've had them, they may be something that is difficult to reverse you know one or two things but in the vast majority of cases you stop stop taking it you have the coil removed and you're back to baseline again but just with a little bit more knowledge about how you react to something and that's about exploring isn't it exploring your options okay so we are closing up now angela dr angela give us your advice for making changes from your perspective go I don't know if I've even got advice. I think for me, it's about a balance. It's about um, making sure that you're on a trajectory of change that lets you feel comfortable. So that I like this yin-yang idea of one foot in safety, one foot in something new, and that's a nice growth place. So I would maybe mm. say slow the change slightly, which is ironic coming from me, but slow the change slightly <laughs> so that it feels... I can't believe you said that. I know. I, I, I feel like a complete fraud, even <laughs> peddling this stuff. <laughs> but actually, I think that's... But I think there is truth in that's how I, I, I change from a safe place. I'm expecting something positive. I don't do a lot of change that I think is out of reach or frightening. And that's because... I'm building on something that I've previously been okay. It's a really long bit of advice, this. <laughs> Keep one foot in comfort, one foot in change, end. I love it. One foot in comfort, one foot in change. Colette, our therapist, making changes. Mine, Where mine's, are you? Mine's always the same. Why? Just why? Do you need to change? Do that was very much change? shorter than yours. It was yeah. very much shorter than yours. <laughs> Is it your change you want to make? Are you changing for someone else's script? Is it something you want to do? Is it something you wish you'd done? Is it something you've tried and you've failed? Just why? Yeah. You know, because often when you get to the why of the change, that's not the change that needs to be made. Excellent. 
I love that. I like it more than mine. Can I have yours? And it was shorter. I'll lend yeah, it, it to succinct. you. succinct. <laughs> it was elegant. Yeah. It was I'm thoughtful. Gonna write, I'm going to write it onto my OU back then. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose from a coaching perspective, making changes is the confidence that it takes to actually make the decision. I know we've done a podcast previously mm. about making decisions, but it's it's like your yours is your why. So that, you know, that's a great, great place to be. One foot in comfort, one foot in change change and for me yours was too long she forgot (laughs) (laughs) she needs to have more brain capacity to hold it i don't know what to tell you i'm working at my level ladies (laughs) but for me it's it's you know instilling the, the confidence and being able to know that you're worth the change so the value of of yourself the value of you the value of it the value of everything and and how does that look when you're seeing it from the perspective of the eyes that you've got inside so so for me it's confidence it's it's worth and it's value for you so that's where i sit on that excellent yeah ladies it has been an absolute pleasure always a pleasure and we're looking good you are looking absolutely fantastic i think it's the beautiful weather and outside i think it's the beautiful us actually beautiful (laughs) us shining out of our eyeballs (laughs) our our internal eyeballs i'm going to ask you about your internal eyeballs later (laughs) please don't wait till i've left (laughs) here we go ladies thank you very much it's been fantastic see you soon Bye -bye. Bye. bye bye The doctor, the therapist and the coach was presented by Gemma Taylor with Dr. Angela Wright and Colette Saffil. This was a Live Lounge podcast production from YO1 Radio. For more episodes of this and other podcasts, go to yo1radio.co.uk.